Cable Smith welcoming everybody into another edition of Campfire Conversations. Today, we're going to sit down with our good friend Brian Lynn of Sportsman's Alliance. If you're not familiar with this organization, I'm glad that you're here. Especially glad that you're here because Sportsman's Alliance is paramount when it comes to protecting our rights and just basically getting the word out about anti-hunting anti-trapping, anti-fishing, anti uh if you if you own a hunting dog, yeah. There's legislation being drafted in all 50 states trying to tell you how you have to treat your hunting dog. Like don't let them don't let them stay outside if it's below 30 degrees. Like just baloney like that. Uh, I've mountain lion hunted in Colorado. Guess what? The hounds stay outside in their own dog boxes with 3 feet of snow on the ground. And they're fine absolutely fine but hey they want to tell you that you can't do that so you know all kinds of anti-hunting legislation being drafted across north america and sportsman's alliance does a great job of keeping tabs on that and letting you know how to fight back and so anyway we've got a bunch of bullet points from the latest ridiculous uh, legislation that's come across the desk here and you can follow along on uh, sportsman's alliance instagram page that's a a great resource to keep tabs on all of this stuff. And really, I mean, they're doing the work for you. You just have to follow. And uh, they'll keep you abreast of what's going on. Without further ado, let's dive into today's conversation. Brian, thanks for being here. Great to be back, Cable. Yeah, my pleasure. I'm admiring that uh, double-bearded gobbler on your wall back there. Where'd you shoot that one? Well, that's actually just an extra extra beard i got from somewhere and yeah <laughs> i got extras and then i lost them i was making those fan mounts uh i don't know two years ago and i had two fans out and two beards and i think a cat got in my garage and took off with one of my beards and mm. yeah so yeah i about killed bell one time uh last year i shot my biggest uh my biggest turkey it was a double beard uh, one was like, uh, one was 12 inches and the other, the secondary beard was like probably like four or five inches. Nice. And she, I, I didn't almost kill her. I wanted to, but it was my fault at the end of the day. Cause I, I salted them and left them on the back porch pinned to some cardboard along with the fans. And because of that salt, um, she just started licking it. And, uh, Henry comes inside. He's like, Hey dad, the dog has one of your Turkey beards in its mouth. I was like, gosh, <laughs> dang it. And I, and they were dry. I'd left them out there for like a week longer than they needed to be. So I didn't even, I didn't spank or anything. It was like, oh, I'm just an yeah. idiot. But that yeah. was the end of that beard. My best one. <laughs> yeah. My, my dog did that to an antelope skull that was sitting out back. It's yeah. like, Oh, what did you think was going to happen? Dad, you put this salty treat in front of me that yeah, <laughs> tastes like rotting flesh. I'll, yeah. I'm a dog. I'm going to eat it. Of course. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, shame on me. Um, okay. Well, we got, uh, some interesting stuff to hit on today is we kind of it's just really a scatter shooting conversation about what's going on uh, from the perspective of um, Sportsman's Alliance and, and you guys are always out there on the on the battlefield protecting our rights as hunters. Um, the first one, and this is something I've, I spoke with um, the um, oh gosh, what is his name? The guy from the um, uh, NSSA. Uh, we did a whole, a whole show on lead bands and what the implications would really mean, um, 
and oh his name's mark oliva that's it okay mark oliva. yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway people think that you can just implement a lead ban and that tomorrow we'll, we'll just have non-toxic shot available for everybody like we're already in this yeah crisis right now yeah we got eight million first-time gun owners in the country and then the other bajillion of us buying up ammunition out of i guess you know part of it's well it started to become harder to find so of course what are we going to do it's like the toilet paper thing we're going to go buy it all up uh and then part of it's you know political social unrest from over the events of the last uh eight 15 months whatever it is a global pandemic all of that plays into well uh, an ammo buying ammo shortage yeah craze like we've never seen and so these idiots who think, oh, yeah, we should just, imp-, and especially can't understand it. And it, it just makes me crazy when I see people who say they're hunters and conservationists saying, yeah, we should implement uh, uh, a lead ammo ban effective immediately. There'd be no ammo. Manufacturers yeah. can't just flip a switch and magically start making non-toxic shot well, in machines that weren't designed to do that. So. Yeah. And, I mean, just and from the natural resource standpoint, lead is much more plentiful than anything else. Yeah. Like, uh, what, we were in a shortage already, and now we're going to come up with more rare metals to make this stuff out of? Right. And there's no supply chain issues? If there's no supply chain issues, it'd be out there to begin with. And right. I'd buy it right now just because I want to buy something. Right. Oh, yeah. If I, found, I mean, I'm not, uh, and, and let me be clear, I'm not anti-non-toxic shot. I, I, uh, oftentimes voluntarily shoot steel shot at dove when I don't have to. Uh, and that's because sometimes there's uh, ponds or, or, uh, you know, you're hunting in an ag field. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm not, um, I'm not against it. I, I'm happy to do it. it, but you know, a lot of times it's cost prohibitive. Uh, it's more expensive and um, there's really, there's no, Mark did a great job of explaining all of the money that is raised through the sale of, you know, Pittman Robertson dollars of ammunition. I mean, even the shooting industry pays for, for this. Um, yeah. And they don't, they they don't even realize it. Non hunters who like to shoot a lot. Thank you for your money for conservation. We don't have a clue. And that's this whole anti-gun, you know, gun control agenda that people don't realize take away all the AR 15s and other things that people are plinking away with quickly and burning through, ammo like in yeah. no time you're going to start seeing drops in Pittman robertson dollars yeah. yeah because the majority of gun owners are not hunters crazily yeah. enough yeah. yeah um but he said listen this is the way he, he explained it uh do we are we concerned with you know raptors and other animals ingesting uh, pieces of lead from carcasses yes we are of course we're we're conservationists um, and on some level, I think all of us are, have a little bit of a, of an environmentalist in us. Uh, we don't want to destroy the one earth that we have. Uh, but if a couple raptors die because they ingested lead, then it's just what it is, what it is. Think of all of the other raptors that were saved through having uh, available habitat, um, mm. You know, I mean, it, it's he said that the state wildlife agencies factor in stuff like that. And it's unfortunate. We don't want anything to die. Um, but it's part of life. It know? is. It, it, you know, I mean, it, it's 
Mark more, the best. There's yeah. there's three types of lies: lies, damn lies, and statistics. So somebody can <laughs> somebody can point to you know an increase in in lead poisonings, but was there an increase in the raptor population? Yeah, absolutely. You know, right. so if there's an increase in raptor population, there's going to be an increase corollary with it. You know, of yeah, more will have this issue as yes. well as more will fly into windows and wind turbines and everything else. So, but there know. is no scientific data or, no. or study that backs up the claim that all this wildlife is dying because they're ingesting lead. It just isn't they, reality. No. And what they, yeah, the studies they point to and what California used and NSSF unearthed those emails after they passed it, you know, using a freedom of information act that the state sat on the data that showed that it wasn't conclusive and you know they made the condor zone lead free made the whole state lead free and those mm -hmm. isotope levels haven't changed in any of the birds so right. they're getting yep. somewhere else um so so that needs to be i don't know where that currently stands uh hopefully that uh minnesota thing has been dealt with appropriately yeah i'm not sure exactly where it's gone but that that's the trend where we're seeing it um you know, that's what's just happening. More and more states are jumping on. You're seeing people, you know, these are not, uh, it's great to say, you know, it's virtue signaling to say, oh yeah, we need to ban lead shot. It's an attempt to ban hunting and undermine the second amendment. It's all it is. They're, they're, the people that draft the, these, these bills, uh, whether it's a lobby, a lobbyist group or a, an anti-hunting organization that is uh, financially backing the politician who actually sponsors the bill it's coming from a a place of banning those things not the, the banning of of lead ammo really they could care less about that it's not about the lead ammo it's about getting rid of things that they don't like so okay. um so that so there's one example minnesota and i said that you know i said to mark um that you know they're coming for us and this is just this seems like one of the easiest ways for them to do it um especially with this administration now what about we've, we've got hound hunting here uh in the news multiple states great news out of montana uh yeah. i go back to when i first was going to the uh the dsc shows and i was looking to do my first black bear hunt and i'm like looking in and vetting out all these outfitters thinking about montana or I want to go to Canada or what do I want to do? Idaho. And then come to find out, I'm talking to an outfitter in Montana. And he's like, Oh, we can't run dogs here. No, we can't do that. Like what? I thought you were like, like uh, kind of like Texas, but up North, <laughs> you know? And uh, so I'll let you talk a little bit about that. Cause that was a huge victory. Yeah, no, they uh, introduced a bill to open up hound hunting for black bears mm -hmm. and run a spring season for it. And then a training season at the end of that until like July 1st, I believe. And so, you know, that's great. There's another opportunity, you know, so mm -hmm. it's not just Spock and Stott and <laughs> Spot and stock, Spot yeah. and stock. Um, you know, so you can run hounds now. Uh, there's some people poo-pooing it on social media and online, you know, saying it's going to ruin the spot and stock hunting. And, you know, there were some even bear hunters that were against it, you know, because they don't, People don't like change, but mm -hmm. you can look at, you know, Idaho, it's fine. They cohabitate perfectly and, and not an issue. So I don't, I'm not sure what it is, except other than people don't like change or are afraid of it. 
Yeah. You know, but that's uh, it'll be the first town season since like 1921. I can't believe it's it. been gone that long. That's incredible. Yeah. And it's so great um, when you get something back because it happens all too infrequently for you yeah. for for us as a hunting community. Yeah, we don't it's always it take, 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 take. Yeah. We never get anything back, it seems like. Uh, yeah. You know, so and the, the ethical side of it is, you know, you get to make, make better management decisions. You know, mm-hmm. you can... You have time to look at the animal, evaluate it, uh, it age it, sex it, see if it's wet. You know, if it's a sow with cubs, you know, even if they're not nearby, you can still tell. You just pull the dogs and go about your business. Right. Yeah, I shot uh, a black bear in New Mexico in October, and that was the first one I had ever done uh, with hounds. It was yeah. awesome. I, I, you know, I've done a mountain lion hunt, and in Texas, we chase uh, hogs with dogs, with yeah. hounds all the time. Uh, but that was cool to to do a bear hunt and then bears not going anywhere like you said we looked at that bear probably for 30 minutes to find out if it was a big sow or a, a small boar and uh you know finally we're able to sex it and, and make that decision um and the other side says oh they're terrified and they're stressed and they're nervous and we see them up there and they're just chilling looking yeah. around go to sleep sometimes you know, lions do the same thing. It's like, what up, dude? And they're just looking down on you. Yeah. I Well, my my uh, mountain lion outfitter, he would, like, climb up there in the tree within, like, five feet of these things to look at them. <laughs> <laughs> and then they weren't so happy. But no. He, he, was, he was all about making sure he knew exactly what we were dealing with, uh, to his credit. Um, then the other state in – on the other side of the spectrum is Maine where they're trying to, I don't know if it said ban uh, black bear hunting specifically with hounds, but there's some legislation that's been introduced that would affect, I think chasing most game. Yeah. So, so it it came out, you know, it's being couched as a coyote bill to remove night hunting for coyotes in Maine and remove hounds or dogs, you know, chase of coyotes and killing of coyotes. But it also, in the, in the statute, it strikes the exemption for hunting for under animals running at large. So dogs running at large harassing wildlife is a crime and, and punishable. And, it, it's a, and there's an exemption in there that says, except if actively engaged in hunting. So it's striking that. So now it comes down to how is that dog under control and it running at large? And it says the person has to be present or reasonably be able to control their dog. Mm. Well, when you have hounds, whether it's coon hounds or, or your, you know, bear hounds, they're not under your immediate control and they might be off a mile or two, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're off chasing the animal. And so oh. that would become illegal. They'd be, they'd be running at large at that point because you, you're, they're not under your control, reasonable control, you know, and then they, where do you, where do you draw that line? If your dog, you know, your upland dog takes off chasing woodcock or whatever else and goes a little haywire. Now it's, where does that line get drawn? So yeah, we're, We've fought that really hard. And actually, just before I got on here, it got updated and it was unanimously shot down. Oh, in good. The committee. So, good, good. So we yeah. killed that one. So that was good. Um, so I've hunted um, black bear in Alberta. And 
there needs to be some clarity like places where it's dense um yeah where it's the um oh the boreal forest is what i mean yeah you can't you can't really spot and stock effectively in those no. places i mean you could but you'd be putting in so so many miles and so much time it it's not wide a, open like where I, where I did a black bear hunt in montana that was spot and stock um it's a forest there's trees everywhere it's so dense spot and stocking almost impossible same with maine same right exactly and so these people yeah. think oh well you don't need to run them with dogs well yeah, yeah you either need to hunt them over bait or you run them with dogs in those places yeah. well and that's what to we do saw it effectively to manage a population <laughs> Yeah, so we saw in Maine in 2014, there was the ballot initiative to end bear hunting. They're like, no, we're not stopping bear hunting. We can still say you can bear hunt, but it ended trapping, baiting, and hounding. Mm -hmm. And that was 93% of the harvest takes right. place in those three things. The other 7% were deer hunters who just happened to have a deer tag, who just happened to have a deer, uh, bear walk in front of them at the exact moment. You know, that's just a happenstance and yeah. you're taking a lucky shot and hoping it's not a sow or anything else because you said it's too thick and right. too dense to spot and stock. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So certainly a management tool there uh, from a, you know, a population perspective and, and what we do as hunters and conservationists, uh, that's our job. We do it gladly. Don't uh, tell us that we can't use the methods that are the most effective <laughs> and that we've been using for centuries um now what about new hampshire this is an interesting one they're trying to or they, I, I i don't know i guess i would expect it coming out of a, a state up there but they're trying to put anti-hunters on the game commission that are like known anti-hunters yeah because we and, see it from the like the university level like there is a trend and it's been going on for as long as i've been doing this but we're seeing less and less actual hunters pursue degrees in wildlife biology, which hopefully they are educated by the time they come out of university and they understand hunting's role. Um, I think a lot of them do get it, but these are actual self-proclaimed anti-hunters that are trying to get on the game commission. Uh, what they're trying, what they're, in, well, this is a trend we see, you know, we've seen it in several states or there's several other states we've seen it in. Um, and so they can't get on game commissions a lot of times. So they're, they're reducing the threshold and the requirements for serving on game commissions. So like New Hampshire, you have to have a hunting license for five out of the last 10 years. Well, they're trying to remove that, you know? Um, and so they're trying to lower the threshold to getting on to game commission. So then you're hikers, bikers, snow skiers, anti-hunters, whoever can sit on there and start dictating rules and regulations. Mm. I think it was Vermont might've been another one because we've had a couple of this year. Um, actually, I think it is Vermont uh, that not only are they going after changing the requirements for getting on the game commission and they're trying to institute a board that oversees the game commission that is comprised of non hunters and other people who aren't just hunters and they have so they're trying to create a new another layer right that oversees them and has veto power what's so, the point of having a game commission then you're you are the game commission at that yeah point. that's that's yeah and so that's what they're <laughs> what trying to do so they haven't been able joke. to kill the game commission so they're trying to create a new board that oversees them the game right commission. 
right. bureaucracy at its finest, right? Government just keeps growing and taking. And we don't like it. So example. Uh, we're going to pack the Supreme Court. We don't like it. So, uh, well, we're going to be the rules. game commission, you know, yeah. not by title, but we're going to tell you what you can and can't do. So Yeah. And so that's that's a trend we're seeing in several states is they're trying to lower those thresholds so they can get non-consumptive users and even anti-hunters, if you know, mm. which is what we see a lot. You know, a lot of working groups out here in the West for wolves has this bipartisan group of stakeholders made up of ranchers and hunters and straight up people from the humane society you know trying to come to terms and <laughs> it's not pretty <laughs> right right what um and this comes from texas actually what uh, what are your thoughts on what are your thoughts on hb 2213 which my understanding would make it out um, of legal for people to donate exotic wildlife uh, to places like Hunters for the Hungry, for example. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Um, it, it, I don't see it as a bad thing. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's great meat. It's good for you. People are in need. You know, it's a lot uh, of it actually tastes better than whitetail. So yeah, I don't see. The not, I'm not there. knocking whitetail. We eat a lot of it at my house, but you know, axis and whitetail, not really a comparison in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. So. yeah. So no, that, that's a great one. That's uh, doing good and uh, po- moving along. So uh, I, I don't, I just don't even see the downside to this, Yeah, you know? Yeah. So it's uh, one that's probably long overdue. Yeah. It is crazy. Cause like you can't donate exotics. We have tons of places where they'll, they'll have people come out and they'll load up uh, a trailer with a, there's broken arrow ranch ends up, uh, coming in and buying a lot of the the meat and then selling it to restaurants and stuff. Um, but this would be a great alternative for folks who want, you know, for charitable reasons, want to give back. And gosh, there's there's places that are just covered up and access deer, black buck, psycho deer. Um, we've got free ranging elk. I mean, you name it. We if if it if it's out there, we have it in Texas and a lot of places oh, yeah. running around free range or. Uh, if you want to take them off a high fence uh, and, and donate those, it's great as well. So the one thing that still we still need to work on is our feral hog deal. We still can't donate uh, wild pork because of uh, trichinosis and yeah. brucellosis, the threat of those two uh, parasites. Um, that's why the, um, uh, what is it, the uh, FDA? No, it's Texas. USDA. Uh, USDA. It might be the Texas uh, based operate uh, branch that handles that is the one that prohibits it, but we still can't do anything with uh, wild pork unless it's trapped and brought in alive. But I guess the health concerns there outweigh the risk. Uh, and then um, lastly, Brian, I wanted to talk about, and I saw this year on a recent podcast, uh, the soulful hunter podcast. And the kind of the, the focus was advocacy versus conservation and whether or not people are able to decipher the dis- the difference there because there is a distinct uh, difference in the way that those organizations function and their purpose. Right, right. Uh, yeah, we were sitting around. We actually went turkey hunting. I took them turkey hunting, and, and we did that and sitting around camp and started talking about it. And, you know, I was – they were talking about different groups, and, uh, and I've seen this online where – people will start talking on social media about group A or group B saying they don't do 
you know, they join because they want to do habitat work and, you know, the headquarters or the local chapter isn't doing that. And that's not a fair thing to do. You can't hold an advocacy organization to the standards of a conservation organization. They're two different missions. Mm-hmm. Conservation guys, groups, they do dabble and work in advocacy. You know, we work with Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. They're partners of ours on wolf and grizzly delistings. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of good work. Their main thrust is habitat acquisition, making it better, getting elk on there, you know, protecting land. Um, Where an advocacy organization is the exact opposite. We might dabble in that world, youth education or some projects here and there, but ours as an advocacy organization is to advocate for you and your rights, be your voice in the state legislatures and the courts and at the ballot box. And that's where we work. And so it's, you really kind of need to separate the two and, and think of it as different sections of who and what are protecting your interests. There's the land management and the habitat improvement and those projects. And there's the groups that are working for you to protect your hunting rights and advocate for you. And then there's your gun rights and your weapons rights, and you need to protect those too. So there's kind of, it's kind of a three pronged fork that sportsmen need to think about belong to those groups and support them, you know, pick your favorite one or two critter groups, whether it's ducks, pheasants, quail, elk, deer, whatever it is, support a couple of those, support your favorite uh, gun rights groups, you know, protect your firearms stuff or your bow hunting. And then, you know, we think the Sportsman's Alliance, of course, because we're advocating for your voice. We are being your voice in the legislatures nationwide and in the court systems. And you need to have all three prongs to actually protect yourself. Otherwise they'll chip away at one or the other or all three simultaneously and slowly take it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think uh, over the years I've, I've developed some ire for groups that don't really do anything they claim to be this or that and then you find out you know that where there's smoke there's fire um so i would just invite advise folks to be wary of uh of some of some i don't know whether they're advocacy group or a hunting i don't think they know some of them so (laughs) anyway uh i digress but um i encourage folks to Get involved, support uh, Sportsman's Alliance when it comes to keeping us informed about, I mean, think about 50 states and all of these bills being uh, introduced on state levels, um, national level. Um, it's it's da- it's daunting, man. It really is. It's yeah. a lot of stuff you guys are, are trying to keep tabs of. You do a great job. And it all uh, comes so, at once. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I encourage folks to uh, to get plugged in. Uh, follow along on social media and then uh what what is the uh what's the website saved in my sportsmen's alliance.org sportsmen's m-e-n-s sportsmen's alliance.org well hey i always appreciate the conversation man hope you have a great rest of uh turkey season and if you're getting any uh getting into any uh spring bear good luck there as well supposed to go down to idaho in two weeks or a week oh right on uh do a little spot and stalk with a with my cousin's husband, and uh, don't know if I'll get back out turkey hunting, but we'll see. Okay. Well, good luck on the bear hunt.
Thank you much, and thanks for having us on. All right, there he goes, Brian Lynn, our good friend, VP of uh, Marketing over at Sportsmen's Alliance. Uh, seriously, I encourage y'all to uh, support this organization because God, they are coming after us fast and hard when it comes to trying to take our rights away as sportsmen and women. Uh, thanks for tuning in to this episode of Campfire Conversations. Until next time, I'm Cable Smith. You guys have a good one. That's the difference between whiskey and